going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 222 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to be talking about polarizing players in best ball, a handful of guys that, you know, the community just can't seem to get on the same page about. You know, in general, there's a lot of disagreement about the values of these players, the types of seasons they're going to have in the 2022 NFL season. And we're going to get to that shortly. Before we do, though, there was a big news story that dropped today, and that is an update on the Deshaun Watson case. Watson, uh, it was announced by his lawyer today, has settled 20 out of the 24 cases that he is currently battling in civil law. And, you know, I I would really like to eventually just get to the point of this where we understand what this is going to mean for his suspension. But right now we have to speculate. Right now there are still drafts going on. So how does this affect our current thoughts on Deshaun Watson? Do you think that this will impact his suspension in the sense that by settling a vast majority of the cases it'll result in a lighter suspension for Watson this season yeah if I had to make a prediction I don't believe that this will bring a lighter suspension I think it's all but pretty much guaranteed at this point that he gets at least a year and then obviously the players association will fight that right they'll put in an appeal for Watson And then who knows after that point. But I think a year suspension is probably still in the cards here. Obviously settling. I I don't know if that's like a bad look for Watson or not. Some will probably say it is. There's still four open though. And those four I think are still going to try and go to court. So there still could be some legal repercussions on the way for Watson as well. In terms of this, I don't really think it it factors in much to a potential uh, Watson suspension and he's probably going to get suspended and he's probably going to going to have to pay like a hundred million dollars in settlements. So bye-bye to that uh, guaranteed contract. Yeah. You know, I I think I'm on the other side. I think that this will affect it. Ultimately, I think that he probably doesn't do this if there aren't some behind the scenes conversations that are implying to him that it could you know, reduce the suspension. I, th- I mean, I think it's like sort of been his stance from the beginning that he doesn't want to settle and that he wants to prove his innocence. But at a certain point, you know, the the cost of continuing to go to court and the cost of having this, you know, affect his, his name and his public reputation, which I mean, you could definitely say the damage has already been done there, but it, it's like this will give a certain demographic of NFL fan the opinion that like, oh, look, they were just in it for the money. Yeah. Oh, look, you know, he is innocent. He settled these cases. It's like, I don't view things that way, but I think that there's a vast majority of people who will look at situations like that. I mean, you only have to scroll on Twitter for a little while today to see that be the vast sentiment from the majority of people that he's just like, well, oh, look, they were just in it for the money. And and to me, if this turns his suspension from a year to, you know, eight weeks, strictly from a best ball perspective, I I think that, you know, his ADP fall is a spot that you would want to be buying right now. I haven't been touching Watson over the past couple of weeks because, like you said, it seemed like it was a done deal that this was going to be a year-long suspension. I do think this changes things. He's fallen 61 spots in ADP over the last two weeks. He's going as the quarterback 24 right now. And I think I would be willing to take a few shots in an underdog right now, just based off the potential that this does impact things in a way that would put him back on the field sooner rather than later. I mean, could definitely be 
right about that. But I think the public sentiment, I I think that there are going to be some fans, you know, more specifically male fans that say that. But I think the majority of people, or at least a good chunk of people will also say an innocent person doesn't plea in 20 out of the 24 lawsuits against him. That's also a very mm-hmm. popular take. So we have these two, you know, contradicting takes where some people say the women are just in it for the money. And then some people say, you know, if you're actually innocent, why are you settling? But those people are already assuming he's guilty. Correct. So it's a tough situation. People's minds are already made up. It's just like you're going to use this to yeah, exactly. strengthen your argument no matter exactly. what it is. That, that's all it is. If, you say, if you're on the one side where, you know, innocent people don't plea, then why were you saying he's guilty beforehand if you're not already uh-huh. validated? And then this, the same goes for the other side, just opposite. So I don't know which way this can go. I think it could go either way. Like I said, I would lean the the year suspension still being in the cards, especially with how the Browns structured his contract for him to only make a million dollars this year. And I I think the Browns organization probably pushed him to settle to get this over and done with as fast as possible. And, you know, they'll they'll probably just play this year out. You know, they they probably won't make the playoffs if if he's out. Then he'll come back. He'll play out the rest of his contract and everybody will forget about it eventually. That That's definitely the way that uh, things seem to go in the NFL. Hopefully, we will have some concrete information on this soon. I think that, you know, one of the next two Fridays coming out, th- this yeah. news will drop. So I think we won't have to wait too much longer. Let's move on to the main portion of the show, discussing some polarizing players. And the first is, you know, in the Hall of Fame of DFS Dose players, guys that you know i I mean specifically i went absolutely hard on last year he was like my top guy gabe davis gabe is going as the wide receiver 24 on underdog his adp is 50.1 all camp reports are that gabe davis has been looking great he's going to be heavily involved in the offense but there are a lot of people who just sort of view gabe as a guy who's being overdrafted They look at his season-long stats as a guy who has never had more than 35 catches in a regular season. He's put up between 550 and 599 yards in both seasons. And, you know, he's going around guys like Metcalf and Robinson and Terry and Rashad Bateman, who's another popular breakout. And I just don't know. It's like, I feel like people are forgetting that the last time we saw Gabe Davis, he dropped 200 yards and four touchdowns in the biggest game of the Bills franchise over the last 20 years. And and it's like, that means nothing to anybody because it isn't incorporated into his season long stats, but it still counts all the same. You know, it showed where the Bills were willing to go with their season on the line, with their first Super Bowl appearance on the line. It's like, I, I just, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm still high as hell on Gabe Davis. I think that he's a perfectly fine buy at wide receiver 24. What are your thoughts on Gabriel Davis for this season? Just in terms of the situation he's in, he's obviously in a great situation and they lost Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders, you know, two players he was playing behind for a majority of the year. And obviously I was out on Gabe Davis last year and it it really did work out. This year, I think he's a fine fantasy player, right? He's in a top three offense in the NFL, attached to one of the best quarterbacks. I think he's going to be a 90 plus percent snap player this year just based off some of the performances that he had at the end of last season and really the only problem that I 
have seen and is what makes him such a polarizing player is strictly his ADP. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's like you said, he's going around some guys like Bateman, Metcalf, Juju, Darnell Mooney at the back end of the fifth round. And a lot of people think that's too high for Gabe Davis. And, you know, they do use his season long stats as an argument. And it's just like past results mean nothing with, with Gabe Davis, right? Uh, I'm not really too concerned about what he did two years ago as a rookie or what he did last year, you know, when he was losing snaps to Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley. I think he just had to show and and work his way onto the field as a fourth round pick. And obviously his athletic profile isn't the best, but he has shown deep play upside. He has shown the ability to beat corners and ultimately he's just a good player, like He's just a good wide receiver in the NFL, and he's attached to Josh Allen. So I don't mind Gabe Davis this year. I think, like I said, the problem is his ADP. It it is a little too high, but there's one offense that could support multiple guys. It's the Bills offense, and he's going in the beginning of the fifth round. So Yeah, I mean, I think it's a super fine price for him, and I just don't know. I mean, it's not like we would expect him to have – you know, another 200 yard four touchdown game. Like that's quite possibly the best career game that he's ever going to have. But at the same time, I mean, there's several guys in this range that I just don't even think have that in their range of outcomes. And I think attached to Josh Allen in this offense, that type of monster spike week is going to be in his range. You know, I think he's stereotypical, uh, better in best ball guys because you don't know what he's going to do week to week, but I guarantee he's going to have monster weeks this, this upcoming year. All aboard the Gabriel Davis train. I think he's going to be a full-time player. That is exactly uh, what all the reports coming out of Buffalo are indicating. Joe Biscaglia from The Athletic said that as a full-time starter, he's likely to bust loose as the best running mate Stefan Diggs has had since coming to Buffalo. And, and I believe that to be absolutely true. So mm-hmm. um, all in on Gabe Davis. I was last year and I will be this year uh, as well. Yeah, I, I think I think Gabe Davis is going to have a great year and, and make people eat their words on Twitter. A thousand yards and eight plus touchdowns? Yeah, I, th- I think you could definitely see a thousand yards for sure. And he's just going to have the chance for a lot of opportunity. Like he's going to play on two wide receiver sets. He's going to obviously play in three wide receiver sets if they bring Crowder on the field. And honestly, like he's just not going to ever come off the field in in my opinion this year so he's gonna see like a 90 percent snap rate and he has josh allen throwing him the ball and he'll probably average like five to six targets a game but he could definitely eat on that and i I don't mind gabe davis this year all right next up we've got a player who i'm kind of surprised i that fits into this mold of polarizing but there's just been a steady like drum on twitter that patrick mahomes is going too highly in in drafts he's consistently the quarterback too in drafts and i think almost all of the skepticism can be attributed to the departure of tyree kill you know mahomes just as a player himself has been phenomenal since he became a full-time starter in the league over the last four seasons his average finish in terms of points per game at the quarterback position qb5 qb2 qb6 and qb1 so a guy who has finished top five and three out of his four and his lowest finish was qb6 two top two finishes i mean mahomes has done it very consistently and I don't know do you think that the loss of Tyreek Hill is going to be significant enough that it knocks Mahomes 
down a little bit. I, I just don't know how far he could possibly go. Like maybe you could make the argument that Justin Herbert goes ahead of him. I think Josh Allen definitely deserves to go ahead of him. But after that, I, I just don't know how how far you could possibly drop Mahomes. Like maybe Lamar. But after that, I think you're really stretching to make the case that Mahomes goes anywhere outside of the top five. And there's just been a lot of, you know, uh, Twitter hot takes about Mahomes not finishing as a QB one, or he's not going to be top five or this and that. I don't know. How do you feel about Mahomes this year in 2022? Yeah, I mean, from a fantasy perspective, I think that you could definitely make the case that he's like QB five behind Herbert and Lamar Jackson, because Herbert obviously has a better supporting cast and Lamar Jackson has you know, an elite rushing upside that really no other quarterback in the league possesses, in my opinion. So you could definitely make the case that Mahomes should be quarterback five. That's the lowest I would have him. And honestly, if I had to rank the quarterbacks for fantasy, I probably would have him quarterback four minimum, just because I am higher on like Justin Herbert and and Lamar or whatever. But he's still like the best quarterback in the NFL. He's still an insane talent. This dude has been to two Super Bowls already in his career. 1-1, he's just a different breed. So when you just factor in that, and it's still an Andy Reid-led offense, which is very fantasy-friendly, very pass-heavy with Ronald Jones. I mean, I know we're both high on Ronald Jones, but it's not not like you're going to feed Ronald Jones. It's not like you're going to feed Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, right? Those guys are going to average like 10 to 11 touches per game. The ball's going to be put in Mahomes' hands every single game, every single play. And they're going to live on live and die off of Patrick Mahomes' arm. And I think that's the best fucking strategy you can employ when this dude is literally insane. Mm-hmm. And that's all it comes down to for me. You can go over the stats or whatnot. Like, yeah, he was like 31st out of 35 quarterbacks in A dot. And obviously he loses Tyree Kill. So they might be like a dink and dunk offense with no explosive nature. But, you know, they still have McCole Hardman. They still have MVS, who they signed. And I, I think the big plays will come at the end of the day. This man is literally just a different breed of quarterback. So I'm not buying into this Patrick Mahomes propaganda. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. It's just it's just so hard to doubt a guy like Mahomes who is just so, so talented. Dude's going to be and, top you know, six in his career in fantasy for his whole career. I, I wouldn't even be surprised. And and just to put a, a little bit of a comparison out there to Tyreek Hill, you know, speaking of uh, Deshaun Watson, the year that DeAndre Hopkins got traded or the year after DeAndre Hopkins got traded I should say Watson actually went on to average 1.4 more fantasy points per game during that 2020 season Mm -hmm. in his first year without Hopkins so it's like if the quarterback is good enough they can overcome the loss of even an elite weapon Mm -hmm. and I definitely think that Mahomes fits into that category yeah and and they added Juju they Mm -hmm. added MVS they added Sky Moore they added Justin Ross. So you got four wide receivers. Those guys combined should be able to make up for Tyreek Hill. Maybe even give you a little bit more production. Absolutely. Um, especially Absolutely. especially if they work out. We we already talked about Juju on a on a previous podcast, but we're both kind of higher on Juju and we think he's going a little bit too low and you still have Travis Kelsey. Yeah, the age cliff might be there, but he's still a top three tight end in the league and he's gonna get peppered and he produces. So they still have a lot of talent on the offense and you have the best quarterback in the NFL, at least in my opinion. He's gonna score fantasy points. 
Uh, people are just trying to galaxy brain themselves, and it really makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm all in on buying Patrick Mahomes and building Chief stacks at the all-time cheapest price yeah. we've ever been able to do so. So, <laughs> uh, you know, keep fading Mahomes, keep trying to tell us that Joe Burrow's going to have a better season, this and that, and I'll just be scooping up more and more shares of Mahomes over the next couple of months. All right, the last player that we are going to discuss here is Alan Lazard, who is going as the wide receiver 44. His ADP is 91.1, kind of being treated by the fantasy community as the de facto wide receiver one in Green Bay. He's got the highest ADP of any of their non-running back players, and this is one that I am fully fading. I, I have zero exposure to Alan Lazard. I couldn't imagine taking him inside the top 100. The thing that people don't realize about about Lazard is that he is a blocking wide receiver. Yes, he has more chemistry with Aaron Rodgers than guys like Sammy Watkins or Christian Watson, whoever else they end up bringing in throughout the course of the offseason. But that isn't going to change the fact that Lazard is out there primarily to block and to boost the run game, especially, I think, this year when this supporting cast of pass catchers is by far the worst it's been in recent memory for Aaron Rodgers. They lose Devontae Adams, and quite clearly, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are the best two skill position players on the team. You know They're going to have to run the ball more this season. Alan Lazard only ran routes on 52% of his offensive snaps last year. He's basically a 50-50 bet to be running a route when he's out there. More likely than not, he's going to be blocking and I don't see that changing this year that's his bag and and that makes sense with what we expect the Packers to do this season so Lazard to me is absolutely hands off I would rather wait eight more rounds and, and take a shot on Sammy Watkins I don't know how do, are you uh in on Alan Lazard as Packers wide receiver one for this season uh no <laughs> just to put it short I'm uh, Sim- simply put I'm not um personally I just don't think he's that good of a player and you know, you brought up the good point that he's a blocking wide receiver. So he is going to be out there a lot. Like, obviously, if he's your best blocking wide receiver, he's probably going to have the highest snap share on the team out of all of the receivers. But that doesn't mean he's going to get targeted, right? Now, there is room for opportunity in the offense with Devonta Adams leaving. You know, that that's 150 targets gone from the offense. So I think there is room for growth in terms of his opportunity, but I also just don't believe in him as a talent, and I definitely don't believe in him as an eighth-round pick in best ball. Yeah, I just think that there's like this sort of thought that when a wide receiver one leaves or when a team doesn't have a clear-cut alpha that somebody has to step into that role, like... Alan Lazard has to be the wide receiver one, or if it's not him, then Christian Watson has to be the wide receiver one. But there's a good chance that none of these guys are wide receiver ones. You know, there's a good chance that all of these guys are going to be relatively even in targets, or, you know, maybe one guy has 10 more targets than the other, but I just don't think anybody is going to have a dominant, you know, 25% target share in this offense. It's just not going to happen with this current cast of wide receivers. Um, Yeah, it really just comes down to the way that I believe this team's offensive philosophy is going to shift more run heavy this year and I think that that will if anything just strengthen the case that Lazard won't be running as many routes as people are going to need him to to pay off this you know rising ADP yeah I I agree with everything that you said and I'm off Lazard for this year I I I think it's an easy fade to be honest but Mm -hmm. it's not like he's like a top four round pick he's obviously you know back end of, of the top 10 rounds um, 
but I, but I still think his his ADP is pretty high. You know, he's going above Kadarius Tony, Tyler Lockett, Chris Olave. Like, I think that's just incorrect, personally. I mean, that's that's like borderline egregious. Yeah, that's that's not good in in, in my opinion. <laughs> that is, that is, it's just not good. I mean, he's wide receiver forty four. So will that make him a wide receiver four? Just some of the players he's going above doesn't make any sense to me so yeah i'm fading lazard and i have zero share so far yeah i mean just scrolling down the list i think he should be like going more in like the wide receiver 70 range around guys like Watkins and robbie anderson and, and marvin jones like he's just going way 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 too high <laughs> people aren't gonna like that well you know what at ben hover if you gotta tweet <laughs> it and that is going to be it for episode 222 of the dfs dose podcast make sure you guys follow us on twitter at the dfs dose as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carey and DFS. If you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on in the podcast and join the inner circle, the link to do so is via our free Discord channel. You can find that in the show notes to the podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Bye.